When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world, join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Success to Significance. I am so delighted to have Dr. Mitchell Kirshner here. Let me tell you, there is so many facets to what this man does that I know that we're not going to get to all of them during our time together today. So I'm hoping that I can rein both of us in, probably me, Dr. Mitchell, probably me, rein me in because there's so much I want to learn from you. But I am delighted to have you as a guest. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jan. I'm, I'm excited to be here and excited to share this because I, uh, I think, you know, it's kind of especially after this last year. I was talking to a colleague of mine in Utah, Salt Lake City, and she said, you know, she's always done okay. She's always, you know, managed because Salt Lake City in Utah is actually a licensed state for us. Not all states do license us, naturopathic medicine. But she said just these last six months, she has gotten more phone calls and more appointments than she has in the last 20 years of her practice because people are looking. Yeah. I'd like to start with giving you my explanation, because I'm assuming that a lot of the listeners maybe have heard of naturopathic medicine, but maybe don't really know what it is. So if I can, I'll start with giving you- Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you do what you need to do. Yeah, go ahead and do that. And then I'll ask you some other questions. Great. Well, it is a full-on medical degree. I went to medical school. I had to you know, sit for the board exams uh, a few times, but that's another story. <laughs> and we do have continuing education that we have to do every year in order to keep our license active. The difference being is when I'm sitting in school, when we're talking about things like biochemistry or physiology or any of the other sciences, we integrate the conversation with not only what are the physiological events? Mm -hmm. What are the biochemical pathways? We integrate, how does the human emotion play a role in that? Mm -hmm. How does anger affect your cholesterol pathway? Because it's associated with liver function. So what I like to do, and I've done this, I'm still working on getting the industry, our whole uh, profession to accept this, but my definition of naturopathic medicine is it's the bridge between the wisdom of nature and the knowledge of science. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. And what that means is we have known for eons that garlic is good for us. We've known it does all kinds of things, but we didn't know why. Mm. Well, the wisdom was eat garlic. Right. The knowledge is we now look at garlic under a microscope and we can tell you which constituents are good for blood agglutination. We can tell you which constituents are good for anti 
oxidation. We can tell you which ones stimulate the immune system. All of a sudden, we've now taken science to explain the wisdom of what we've always known. Sometimes the wives' tale too, don't you think? <laughs> because that's part of the wisdom that's come down. Correct. That's yeah. part of the wisdom. Yeah. Let me tell everybody about you so that we can start digging into some of this because, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm just tickled about this because it's all, it's, it's holistic health, right? It's just completely holistic health. And you've been in the business for 32 years. I'm reading a couple of things. I know you've been a personal trainer. You had this, you know, path that you came through with lots of different exercising and health and working at different institutions as a professor. I know you're doing that now. Uh, you're also known as the healthy chef doctor, and that's going to resonate with people because you know, on this podcast, we talk about success to significance and everything in between. How do we break, you know, life after breaking through glass ceilings? And there are many ceilings that we're breaking through. And like you said, because of COVID, our COVID challenge, we're sitting at our desk and you are the author of, and I'll let you show it as well, working from home, mastering the art of working at your computer so that we don't have that hunchback that you're showing. <laughs> That's the, one of the worst things. But there's also just, you know, all the, the bad things that are happening to us. And it was unintended consequences of working at home. And now we've got a whole other set of problems that we're going to be contending with. You've written children's sure. books. And I, I do want to talk about this book. Uh, sugar is not the enemy. The real truth about sugar. I want to hear about that as well. You know, you come to us with lots and lots of ways for us, those of us who are listening to break through glass ceilings of health, break through glass ceilings of mindset. And that's really what we want to talk about is all of these wonderful, beautiful things that you do. And I want to just share one thing. And then I don't want to talk about it, though, on this podcast, but I want to drop this seed for everyone that you also do blood type work. And I was fascinated by this when you and I first spoke, uh, you know, and had our opportunity to have a one to one because we're in a group together, a networking group together. And uh I was just fascinated by that, that the that blood types, you know, have evolved. I just thought we were kind of born with them, but that's for another time. But that's just a little sizzle there. So if you want to know more about that as you're listening or watching this, you really have to make sure that you're connecting with Dr. Mitchell. So here's the first question I want to ask, because I was reading everything about you. And, and I, as a health expert, right, why is sugar not our enemy? So many people are telling us that sugar is our enemy. We need to stay away from sugar. That any of the carbs, you know, any white flour, any white rice, sugar, all of this that we need to stay away. So someone listening to this might go, you mean I can have all that candy? I can have all those sweets? I can have, but I have a feeling you're going to tell us, mm -mm, that's not the case. That's not what I meant. Correct. <laughs> so take it away. I'll lead in with, first of all, there is no substance that mother nature gave us directly that has ever caused ill except poison like poisonous mushrooms or we're not talking about that in this or spiders case, that bite yeah and i'm assuming most of our listeners had the experience of watching the movie mary poppins and if you oh, remember yeah. one of the early songs in the movie is mm -hmm. a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down yeah now if you listen carefully she said a spoonful right Never in history have we ever had anybody get diabetes from a spoonful of sugar. Right. Never. Never has anybody ever gotten obesity from a spoonful of sugar. What people are not aware of today is, first of all, there's about somewhere between 58 and 63 different names for sugar. Wow. They all boil down to sugar. Yeah. Right? 
but all those different names, because the way that the labeling act works in legislature, as far as food labels is when a product makes up the most ingredient or the heaviest weight of that product, it has to be listed first. So what they've done, what the industry has done, and because of some slack legislature mm-hmm. on this, is they've taken these 58 different names of sugar, broken them up and put them in the ingredient list in various amounts. So now if they were to clump them all together, many times they'd first be the thing. first ingredient. Yeah. But because they're using this kind of sugar and that kind of sugar and that kind of sugar, they can break it up and spread it throughout the label. So it doesn't seem like there's that much. Now, what we now know is that the average American consumes somewhere around 28 to 29 teaspoons a day. Oh and my a God. lot of that is unannounced, that like they're unaware because yeah. it's in ingredients. So Mary Poppins was right. A spoonful of sugar does help the medicine go down, not 28 spoonfuls, because that actually causes you to need medicine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and what is the statistic on how many spoonfuls of sugar there is, how much sugar is in one can of soda and how much water you have to drink to counterbalance it? Do you know that offhand? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on the soda. Right. uh, And companies are starting to kind of tailor it a little bit, but the average soda contains seven teaspoons of sugar. Right. One soda, one can, 12-ounce can. Now, if you look... If you go down the aisle and you actually look at the juice boxes that we're serving our children, they might have four teaspoons of sugar. Well, they can suck those things down within minutes. That means just like that, they just consumed four teaspoons of sugar in one little juice box. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. So what is the counter to that? How much water do you have to drink to... I mean, sugar is sugar. It's going to take, you know, salt's one thing. You, t- you consume salt, you can kind of flush it out of your body with water, but sugar is a whole different thing. But what is the counterbalance set? How many glasses of water, how many ounces do you have to have to counterbalance one can of soda that has an average of seven? Well, there's kind of a basic equation. If you take your body weight, like mm-hmm. let's say I'm 160 pounds and I divide it by two, that gives mm-hmm. me 80. Yep. So instead of 80 pounds, convert that pounds to ounces, ounces that's I need to be drink. consuming a basis of 80 ounces of water a day. Yeah, And then if I'm exercising or if I'm doing something outside and it's warm and I'm extra sweating or losing more water that way, then I just need to increase it accordingly. Right. People don't realize that every time you drop a pound overnight, you're not dropping a pound of body weight. You're dropping a pound of water weight. Yeah, You go to the gym and you work out and you come out and you're two pounds lighter that's not two pounds of body fat. Right. You're going, woohoo. Water. <laughs> and you need at least a quart of water to replace those. Yeah. I know. We're all excited. I just dropped I two pounds. No. Yeah. yeah. You just dehydrate. Okay. But what's the counterbalance on the teaspoons of sugar? Is there a counterbalance that, to that? That, you know, if I'm going to have one can of soda, I better have how much more water just to counterbalance that? Not thinking about the fact that it's half my body weight and I need to at least consume that every day. How much more yeah. would I need to no, consume? You just need to cut down on the amount of sugar you're taking. On the amount of sugar. Okay. There is no actual equation that I'm aware okay. of that, that says that. But, you know, look, I always tell people, if you can have the kids or have yourself make your own sodas at home, make your own sweets like that. Well, how do you do that? It's as simple as if you buy a quart of organic juice, right? And you buy a bottle of seltzer and you mix the two. Right. You're basically, what is soda? It's flavored fuzzy water. 
Yeah. So it's not even putting it in the fuzzy water bottle thing. So one of the things that you just said, I'm going to ask for myself personally, because I'm sure people are listening here is that, you know, my grandkids love apple juice, right? First of all, they love all fruits. They don't like veggies as much as they love fruit, right? Which is good. I mean, they don't eat any cookies. They don't eat any of some of the nasty stuff that people give to their kids. They just don't, thankfully, but they eat a lot of fruit and they love apple juice. Now they'll usually pour this much apple juice and this much water, right? I mean, just a tiny bit of apple juice and a whole bunch of water for them. So it's very watered down, but they're still getting apple juice, which has a ton of sugar. It's not the same as biting an apple. Even if it's a hundred percent pure constant, you know, pure organic, it's just not. You know what? At that point, that much I wouldn't worry about. And really, okay. if they're if they're putting an ounce or two ounces of apple juice in eight ounces of water, yeah, and then they're consuming that, you know, you're talking about a, a really a small amount. I mean, obviously, the the better scenario would be the apple because you're lacking the fiber and you're lacking you lose some of the vitamins right. when processing. But if it's a question of two ounces of juice and eight ounces or ten ounces of water or some of the artificial stuff that's out there. I'll pour that for them all day long. Yeah. I make homemade applesauce. <laughs> That's what we do. And if, and most of the time we don't have to make it, you know, any more sugary. And when we do, we use honey. So let's talk about honey as sugar. You know, it, it's interesting because good quality honey. Now, you know, I've had this discussion with a few of my colleagues and even some other nutritionists. When you think about buying organic honey, which can sometimes be several dollars more, it's kind of intriguing because if you think about it, how do you qualify it for being organic? Which means the bees are supposed to have gone out to get pollen from certain flowers that they knew yeah. have not sprayed. You can't control that. You can try, right? right? You can do a pretty good job, but yeah. what if a bee hits a different flower? Bees do have a certain radius for how far they'll fly to get their nectar. So if you know, for example, that nothing in a three-mile radius has been sprayed, you can call it organic. And in order to get it yeah. certified organic, everything has to be tested in that range. So if something says certified organic honey, now the reason I'm bringing all this up is because not all honey is created equal. Yes, you know, there's different varieties, there's different Mm -hmm. flavors, there's all that depends on what flowers the bees go to to get the nectar. Yeah. So what makes honey different from all the other sweeteners is because it the way that it, it does develop in our bodies, the way that we digest it, it is the, as far as I'm aware, it's the only alkalinizing sweetener that we have, as opposed to even agave nectar or brown rice syrup or any of the others, maple syrup. There's something about honey that yeah. differs from all the other sweeteners. Yeah. So if that's your sweetener choice, I stand behind it yeah. uh, and thank the bees. So yes. when you get a beehive and it happens to be near your house, don't kill it. Call yeah. someone to come and remove it and have it taken someplace else. But we got to stop killing the bees. <laughs> there yeah. are there are tomorrow. But honey just digests so much better in our bodies. That's yeah. typically my sweetener choice. Or I also, on occasion, when I'm baking, I'll use the monk fruit erythritol combination. Okay. Yeah. See, I use applesauce for sure. Some of the sugar too. And and again, I I make my own applesauce. So. That's, that's yep. why I do that. But yeah, no, I know I was asking you about honey because I live in the country. And so we yep. have like a, a little marketplace that comes around and 
the honey that we get, and we actually have honey tasting, just like wine. You go from white to red. You now have um, honey where you're going from light to dark, and it totally tastes different. And especially sure. when you get it locally, it's good for your allergies because it's everything that's around you. But I went to the store and because we ran out, I went to the store and I go, oh, it's honey. It's from the bees. Tasted it, went, oh my gosh, never again, never, ever again. So I order my honey now directly from the, the bee people around here and a place in Michigan because their honey is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Happy bees make happy honey. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I love that. Okay. So what is the best way for someone to get off the sugar? What is the best way for them to break through this glass ceiling of saying, you know, I need the sugar. I need that, that comfy food. And, and sometimes it comes in the, most of the time it comes in the form of comfy food. I mean, there's chips that people eat too, you know, but most of the time it's sugar that comes in the form of comfy food. So how do people get away from this up and down that they do that, you know, the highs, the lows that it gives them to detox themselves. I'm glad you asked that because over the last 30, almost 33 years, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and I literally can demonstrate. And in fact, I, we just launched on my website, a nine day, nine step sugar detox program. If you follow it by the end of the nine days, you're over sugar addiction. Now it's up to you if you go back to it, because remember, this thing with food is not just about food. It's also about the mental emotional. It's mm-hmm. also about what we call comfort foods. Yeah. Part of the deal, part of the psychological is to replace that comfort food with a different comfort food or a different comfort activity. So if I feel like I'm drawn to the fridge to go get a sweet, but I go take a walk, by the time I come back, then all of mm-hmm. a sudden that, that craving's gone away. Now just a glass of water or some nice green tea satisfies me just as well. But in the meantime, in that interim transition from the typical sugars, because what what you don't understand is artificial sweeteners and refined sugars create more of a craving. The more you get back to the closer to natural sugars and the products that they're in, you don't find the same kind of cravings. And that's part of the process. That's why in the book there, I show you all the different names for sugar because they're all processed, high fructose corn syrup. They're masked. Causes you is masked and it causes you to want more because of what it does in the body. It's a very acidifying food. Right. And your body does not like to be in a pH acidic state. It prefers Mm -hmm. there being a balance, whether it's slightly acidic, like in the stomach or in the urinary tract or slightly alkaline in the blood. So if you vary from those, the body is always going to attempt to get back to homeostasis. Okay. okay, I got it. All right. So let's, I want to talk to you about one last thing about sugar, and then I want to move on to, you know, working at your computer and what yeah. we can do, because as we're recording this, we're at the tail end of the pandemic. And now, you know, I mean, thankfully, and you know this, you know, we became plant-based in January, right before the pandemic happened. And I'm so thankful that we were taking that path because I think I would have been the munchaholic, right? I could have been. It could have been someone who's like, oh, I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do, right? And uh, so I'm really thankful for that. But when we're talking about diabetes, I want to talk about diabetes for a second as it relates to this one piece of sugar. There are three different types of sugar. There's the pink sugar, the blue sugar, and the yellow sugar now, right? We, and we actually have the, the green sugar, those sugar packs, right? So we all know... And I can't remember one sweet and low and one's whatever the names are. 
I've heard that, and I'm sure this is wrong, but I've heard that the yellow sugar is the best for diabetics. See, this, these are fallacies, I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> yes, that's sucralose. Okay. And, you know, it's, oh, you're hitting on a sensitive subject. Yeah. Both my parents had complications with diabetes, and that's yeah. part of what stimulates me to pursue this and educate people. I tell you, honest to God, sweet and low, the big, the pink packet, they literally in 19, I believe it was 1977, was about ready to take it off the market. Literally, because they were concerned about some of the side effects and some of the ill effects that were happening as a result of it. In clinical studies, it showed that it caused cancers in rats and different types of cancers. So they were going to pull it off the market. And the public outcry said, you can't take it away. We Mm -hmm. need that. And today it stays not because the FDA thought it was safe, but because of the public outcry, which is kind of a sad thing. I mean, the FDA is supposed to be the one overseeing this and and they kind of folded to not only the public outcry, but also to demands from the industry, the artificial sweetener industry, which anything artificial in the sweetener category has side effects. Yeah. You may not feel them immediately, but you will feel them over time. And there has actually been quite a bit of debate, even whether or not it stimulates an insulin response. Yeah. One of the concerns is, well, artificial sweeteners don't raise your blood sugar. Well, it may be true, but if it stimulates an insulin response, it's going to have other side You're going to go grab a cookie instead. Yeah. Your blood sugars will drop too low and you will actually go into hypoglycemia. Yeah. And then, yes, you're going to be craving something. And unfortunately, something. in that state, you tend to just grab the closest thing that yeah. seems to look good. Yeah. And rarely is it a good idea. Yeah. So, and not to mention the other effects, the other physiology that happens with increased levels of insulin. And that becomes its own set of problems, which right. again- And of course, have- I know that very well. My husband's type two diabetic. Yeah. So all of them are bad. Even the new white one with the green that looks like it's plant-based and like all that kind of stuff there. I mean, I don't use any of them, so I'm okay, yeah. but but they're all bad. They're all, they're all not good for you, really, okay. honestly. I mean, the only one that I would recommend, like I said, outside of the monk fruit erythritol or the honey, preferably good quality honey, not something that's been pasteurized right. to the point where it's just sweetened. Don't buy it at the grocery store. Correct. <laughs> that's Correct. fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so- the other one that has any potential, which actually has some health benefits, is stevia. Yeah, now, stevia. That's like what I'm anything, talking about. Yeah. Stevia, like others, not all stevia is created equal. Depends on where it's grown and how it's processed because some of that stevia leaves behind this sort of metal taste in your mouth or a a flavor that some people can, I can point it out, but it has to do with how it was processed. Wow. It's good quality. In fact, stevia is not hard to grow. I live in South Florida. We can grow, I can grow it out back. Yeah. Have a backyard right now, but it could, right? Right. And just taking a piece of a leaf, of a stevia leaf and putting it in your mouth, not only satisfies that sweet, but it also stimulates healthy pancreatic function. Wow. So that's good for men. Yes, (laughs) it actually is. Pancreas and pancreatic function and digestive enzymes and all of that can balance itself with good function in the pancreas. And that's where the stevia leaf and what are called some of the constituents from the stevia plant can benefit healthy blood sugar regulation. 
Okay, cool. Well, that leads me to one more question on that. Now we have the brown packet, raw sugar. Yes. That's processed in a bag. Yes. Essentially, it's kind of a joke. Uh, Essentially, what happens there is they take the sugar cane, they process it just like they would strip out. You know, unfortunately, if you just chew on sugar cane or if you just press a sugar cane, like have you ever heard of succinat? Yeah. S-U-C-C-I-N-A-T. It is basically sugar cane juice dehydrated. Yeah. That's it. They don't process it. They don't pull out and extract the sweetened part of the sugar cane and separate what makes the color tinge between succinate, natural sweetener, and the, and the regular sugar that we buy is the removal of vitamins and minerals. Yeah. When you remove those, it makes the sugar turn white. Yeah. Well, I had yeah. one of my early nutrition instructors tell us, guess what happens when people die? We turn white. Yeah. So white rice, white sugar, white flour is basically food devoid of any nutritional benefits. Yeah. So same thing here. The succinate, it still has its vitamins and minerals. Sugar cane, if you gnawed on sugar cane, you'd get that sweetness, plus you'd get some minerals. So that sugar in the packet, the brown packet that says sugar in the raw, is white cane sugar that's been processed out that they add a little molasses back to give it that color. That's it. Stay away from it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's all about just going honey. Okay. If you're going to do sugar, right? So I'm sure people have tons of questions because I'm probably not asking all of them. I'm sure we could have this entire podcast just on sugar, but I want to get to what, what is prominent right now. I mean, sugar is a big thing because we, we are consuming sugar as we're sitting at our desks, but tell us about your new book. Tell us why you were compelled to write this. And you may have been writing it before the pandemic came and it just was perfect timing. I don't know, but what do we need to know about sitting and how we can start moving? Well, there's a variety of things. First of all, it's a very easy to read book. I made it that way on purpose. I didn't use include all the technical stuff, but I I just discussed there's seven tips to help prevent what are called computer-related injuries, CRIs. It is now a new diagnostic criteria in our Mm -hmm. medical handbook. We now have insurance companies that are starting to cover. For example, a computer-related injury is is carpal tunnel syndrome. Yes. Carpal tunnel, for those that don't know, is... When the wrist gets inflamed and it's because of the hand positioning. Right. So some of the things to keep in mind is, and I, and I, I will give you a tip out of the book. It's called the 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, look away from your screen. Ah, look at yeah. something about 20 feet away and stare mm-hmm. at it for 20 seconds. Oh, that's smart. Because then, because your eyes start getting affected. I know so many people have had to get glasses because of, yeah. Yes. Okay. What you don't realize at the 20 foot mark is where our eyes are at its most relaxed. So anything that starts moving closer to us from that 20 foot mark, we have to then focus our eyes have to focus. on. That's the 2020 vision, right? At 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. As things move farther away from that 20 foot mark, we then have to shift our eyes as well to focus on that. That's why the 20 foot mark. Yeah. The reason for the every 20 minutes It's because imagine that we have eight different muscles all controlling our ocular, our eyes, in all the different directions. Well, because the screens are so close and because Mm -hmm. there's all these little pixels of light that are coming off the screen, and by the way, we're going to talk about blue light briefly, but because of all of that, our eyes are constantly under this strain. We don't think about it. 
But that's why I tell people when it's at all possible to put your desk and your computer near a window so that you can look out so that you can get fresh light in so Mm -hmm. that not everything is artificial and not everything just coming off your computer screen. So some of these are the tips. Posture is a tip. You know, we are meant to be moving around. And I can tell you for sure, they've done studies on even 20 year olds who sit for hours and hours. And what's happening is, yes, our most exercised muscle these days are our thumbs, our thumbs and our eyes. Yeah. But we've had people complain of migraines that never had migraines before Yeah. because of the light and the pixel view from the screens. Right. Now, this blue light that we're exposed to, yeah. which is new, this is basically new research. Blue light's been around. Blue light comes from the sun, but you notice it comes from the sun, which means we're usually supposed to expose to it when we're outside in the sun or during right. the day. Not artificial. Yeah not artificial and not staring at a screen at night for hours, especially at bedtime. There was a study done in Australia. They took a teenager still in high school who was spending hours on her phone and her computer. Her sleep patterns were off. Her appetite patterns were off. Her moods were off and she just didn't realize it. They managed to convince her in a small group of teenagers to go through the study, which was they had to stop using their devices at 11 o'clock at night. Right. That stop and go to bed. And what they found was, yeah, the first week or so actually was, was really hard for them. Yeah. You know, he was laying up in bed till one o'clock in the morning Yeah, on the device because it'll keep you awake mm-hmm. by putting it down at 11 or sooner, right? Putting it down at 11 and going to bed at a reasonable hour. About two weeks later, her mood shifted. Her grades started to increase. Her grades were getting better. Her appetite was returning back to normal. And she even said herself, it took almost three weeks. She goes, I even feel better. Yeah. And yeah, for a teenager to admit that was monumental. Yeah. Well, tell us about, because I'm going to pull them out here. When I'm not on screen, I have these on, right? When I'm not on doing a video, because there's a reflection when I do it, you can't see my face because I am in front of a window, a bay window. Right. Um, so I have these blue glasses on when I'm working on my computer almost all the time, especially right. when I'm going to be doing something really intense. I'm like, ah, I got to get those on. So right. tell us about the blue glasses because there's they're a dime a dozen. They're really cheap. They're wonderful. I love them. It takes the strain off my eyes. I find that I'm just less squinty, less uh-huh. squinty. These aren't prescription or anything, but tell us about the blue glasses, what your your take is on that, that, you know, should we all run out and get blue glasses. And by the way, I've got like seven pairs of these so that they look cute with whatever I'm wearing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that computer screen appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> They're called blue light blocking technology glasses. Mm-hmm. And as far as a response is, how effective are they? This is all so new. We yeah. don't know. Okay. We don't know. There's still a lot of theory. There's a lot of hypotheses around whether or not it's really affecting Because I can tell you, yes, they may be protective, but hey, if you feel better, then it's working. Yeah, my eyes are not as strained. I mean, literally, I feel like I can relax my entire eye socket when they're on, you know, and right now I'm I'm slightly squinty because and part of it is I'm not even looking at a screen. I'm looking at my camera, which has a cockamamie blue things around it, which I can't stand those circular Ones that people are using in the, the ring lights. Oh yes. my gosh. It just, I, they drive me nuts. I can't, I can't use them at all, but it's bad enough. I got the little blue one here, <laughs> you know, doing that. Okay. So well, there 2020, are... 2020, 
every 20 minutes, look 20 feet away, stare for 20 seconds. Yes. Okay. That helps our eyes. Set a timer because what you're talking about at the end of one hour, you have spent one minute, not just relaxing the eyes, because if you relax the eyes, you can also, you'll find you'll relax the shoulders, Mm -hmm. you'll relax the neck. And -hmm. if you really want to get crazy, do some deep breathing in that 20 Mm -hmm. seconds. Mm -hmm. So you can, because one of the things that we're finding is hypoxia is also as a result. People don't realize you're sitting there. You don't think you're not needing to stimulate a deeper breath. So you're not really oxygenating the lower lobes of the lungs. Yeah. That deep breathing can alter your pH, can alter your mood, can alter certain hormone reactions that are occurring in the body because it needs oxygen. Yeah. And you're, when you're sitting there in that kind of stilled state, also slumping over, you're not feeling your lungs properly. Yeah. 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 And I'll tell you, I've learned that over the last couple of years, mostly because I have a lot of back pain from years of crossing my legs and talking on the phone and typing, right? The crooked head thing. So I've got years and years of like all these kind of crazy back pain. And I've really worked on breathing. You know, people would tell me, you don't breathe, you don't take deep breaths and and breathing, you know, now becomes part of my daily meditation and my prayer and my daily everything. And even when I'm on these podcasts, um, I am breathing, I'm breathing, taking deep breaths. You don't see them as like I'm taking a deep breath right right now. I'm talking to you, right? It, I am taking deeper breaths than I ever had before. And I'm sitting very straight and erect. And I kind of do that anyway. It's how I am. But yeah, that breathing. And I've been saying that to my husband, you know, and from, to my kids, just saying, you got to take deeper breaths during the day. You really, really need to. And See, what we have found is that what we call shallow chest breathing, mm-hmm. you know, in the lung capacity, in the chest, the left side of our body has two lobes. And the right side has three lobes. And when we're just kind of sitting casually and just doing, you know, simple breathing, we're just literally filling the upper lobes and maybe a little bit of the middle lobe. Yeah. But guess where lung infections mostly occur? Probably down here. In the lower lobes. And most of the time, if it's a bacterial, a bacteria cause, they're anaerobic bacteria, meaning they do better in a low to no oxygen environment. Deep breathing, literally, you don't need medications. You don't need antibiotics. You do a couple of deep breaths on a regular basis throughout the day. You fill those lungs with oxygen. You'll take care of any potential bacteria that might be just hanging around waiting for a moment. So, Isn't it amazing how beautiful our body is? I know. Our body is absolutely beautiful. It really is. And believe it or not, like I said, you can measure not only your blood pressure, your blood pH, your mood swing, your mood condition by how well oxygenated you are. Yeah. If ever you're feeling a little stressed, I like to suggest you take a deep breath in through the nose because for some reason it fills the lungs a little differently than that quick inhalation through the mouth. Fill it, hold it for about four seconds because what that's doing is it's saturating the lung tissue with all that oxygen. Because remember your breath, we only have about 21% of the air that you breathe is oxygen. The rest is some other elements in the air. So deep breathing, it saturates the lung tissue, the oxygen gets absorbed, and then it gets distributed throughout your body. And all of a sudden, your mood's changed. Yeah. And decreasing like you're blowing through a straw. You know, and I I was told if you do that five times, you sit and you do that five times, in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four on the low side too, right? Five times, you can actually take yourself from a state of flight, right? Fight or flight. 
into as into out of those states. Let me just say out of those states. Out of those so states, if you're yes. feeling stressed or you're like, oh my gosh, this, this deal's blowing up or this has happening, my kids are killing me, you know, my husband, but whatever, you know, that just taking and focusing on that breathing and counting and breathing and focusing on it takes you out of that state of fight or flight because being in that constant state is where all the heart disease comes from and all the other things come from is that constant state that we're in, you know, on a daily basis. So Okay, so we talked about eyes, we talked about breathing, and, and you may right. want to say something more about that. Yeah, and then I want to go to the physical body moving. So t- say what else you wanted to say about what no. I had just said. No, that was good. That was good. We wrapped it up. I was going to say, I think for now, we've covered that pretty well. Yeah. Deep breathe, give your eyes a break. And one last tip on the 2020 tip is when you're looking away, roll your shoulders, breathe deep, move right. movement. Yeah. which is why we're going to step into the next topic, which is our bodies are not meant to be that sedentary. No. And when we sit for extended periods of time, usually meaning more than an hour at a time, we are literally causing disc compression because yeah. of the amount of weight in our upper body sitting on the lower spine. What yeah. happens is if you can imagine between each vertebrae is this round disc that has fluid in it. And when you sit the way we're sitting, we're sitting a little bit more hunched forward. We're causing the disc to collapse more towards the front end of the disc, the intervertebral disc. Because of the compression from the upper vertebrae to that lower, we're pressing those discs. Now, over time, you know, short term, not a big deal. But over time, we start to find that the disc wears down. Yeah. Starts to wear down. And what happens then? We pinch nerves. Yeah. That's why we get things like sciatic, low back yeah. pain. Got it. Yep. <laughs> hip and That's hip why and... I'm a standing desk, which by the way, right before this call, I was in my standing position for an hour on a podcast. Now I'm in my sitting position for this one, right? To like alternate myself all day long. That's right. Alternate yeah. around. You know, yeah. I have, I too have one of those desks. I can stand up. I do some standing, bring my, my, laptop up top. I bring yeah. my keyboard up top. I switch the, you know, the monitor to point, point a little higher up. Cause that's the other tip is if your mm-hmm. monitor is a little bit lower than eye level, if I'm not looking mid monitor, right. I'm having to kind of tip my head forward. And what you need to realize is that most craniums, most heads weigh somewhere between 12, 13, 14 pounds. So if you're tipping it forward, even just a little bit, right? You're asking these muscles in the, in the upper back here to strain, to try to keep it from falling forward. Right. Counterbalance. Counterbalance. That's why it's important to sit back. And while you're sitting there in those in-between moments, if you got to pause, do a little stretching. Yeah. Move the muscles around, move the low back around, you know, side bends, twists, even if you, and put your feet up. Yes. Ankles. I do a lot of ankle movement during the day just to keep the flow going. Yeah. What we're talking about is really only one or two of the suggestions that you have in this book that has seven. Yeah. Seven chapters. Each chapter comes with variety of tips and exercise diagrams that show you exactly how to do these things to avoid carpal tunnel, to avoid finger pressures, to avoid swelling and poor circulation, like you said to the feet and toes. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things you can do even while you're sitting there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so important for us. I mean, 
like I said, we could go on forever and ever and ever, but it is only one podcast, but I just want to say thank you so much because I learned so much in the sugar piece. This is why I love being a podcaster because it's my opportunity. I have, I'm so curious, right? So it's my opportunity to ask questions that I want to know. And I'm hoping that everyone who's listening, it's questions you want to know as well. But I know we haven't touched on everything that you could offer to us, Dr. Mitchell. So again, I want to encourage everyone to get your book. Go ahead and show it again. Make sure that we that people are seeing it. And I'll repeat it here again is Working From Home, Mastering the Art of Sitting at Your Computer by Dr. Mitchell A. Kirshner. And I want to tell you, this has just been so powerful. I, I know that I'm going to be still working with you for another six months. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to learn from you because I know you do topical, you know, beauty stuff and, you know, the blood type work that we're talking about, your nutritionist. We haven't even talked about food other than just don't, don't have sugar. I'm going to leave your audience with two things. One, a lot of this information is on my website, drmitchellkirshner.com. We'll have that link here. Yep. Right. And then I want to leave you with a consideration that there is a perfect diet. You know, everybody's got a diet plan. Everyone's got their diet ideas, paleo, keto, you know, all these, all these theories I'm telling you, and I teach a nutrition course and I teach an overview of naturopathy. That's part of the courses I teach at the university here. There is a perfect diet. And the one that is the closest to what we need is the seasonal. Yes. You and I talked about that. I remember asking you that. Yeah. As much as possible. There's a reason for the season. In fact, that's another book I'm working on. But that, you know, there's a reason that fruit in its natural state is the sweetest in the summer. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that we harvest mushrooms and onions and leeks in the fall. They're immune boosting to get us ready for the winter. There's mm-hmm. a reason that we harvest a lot of greens in the spring because they help us detox and prepare our body for the changing weather and climate. So if we literally followed mother nature around the clock, both with food intake and sleep and activities, we would be a lot healthier. We wouldn't need to be needing all these medications. Did you know that the average American over 65 is on somewhere between five and seven different medications? My husband's on 12 right now and he's 58. Yeah. That'll give you an idea, right? I'm on nothing. I'm on absolutely nothing. I take supplements, but I take no prescriptions whatsoever. So the piece I'll leave you with is when as much as you can, farmer's markets are a great resource, if nothing else, to find out what's in season at that time. Yeah. It's a great place to shop and support local farmers. You know, without farmers, we wouldn't be eating. Right. No kidding. And no like kidding. And you'll beef. get honey there too. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that's where I go get my honey. <laughs> Sure. I'm all about the honey. Can you tell? I mean, it's I can tell. I can tell. I know. I love honey on my oatmeal. I love honey. I, I mean, I just I use honey in my tea. I, I mean, I yep. cook with honey. I, I think honey is one of the best things in the world. I love honey with carrots when I'm doing cooked and, carrots. And, and you I want to point just, out, like what yeah. you said earlier, there's such a difference in flavor between regular store bought ultra pasteurized and the stuff that somebody just brought in from the oh, hive. No question. A world of difference. Yeah. Well, it's been fabulous. Thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell, for being with us today. And I just want to encourage everybody, go to his website. We'll have the link down below, but go to his website. We can get information about your nine detox, right? As well, sugar detox. We can get information about anything that you're doing. Grab his book, grab his book on Amazon or wherever you want us to buy it from. We'll go to that website and you'll have the link for us. 
grab his book, uh, share it with your kids, share it with, you know, make it part of a book club. I mean, how cool would that be? Is like a post-COVID book club on getting healthy. You know, I just encourage you to share it. Uh, and a reminder, again, you have children's books out too, because I know this is a big passion for you to get kids out of the diabetic world that it's just so bad oh. and just being unhealthy. So we thank you for putting those together. And I saw the names of the books. We'll have the links in there because I'm going to get some for my grandkids because they love books. So. If anybody's looking to break their sugar detox, I have my program on an extremely special limited time offer. It's like $69 awesome. for a nine day sugar detox program. Yeah. I will not be able to keep it up there for long at that price, but um, you okay. know, my, it's worth it. my, yes, now's the time, yeah. now's the time. and Absolutely. break that habit and buy good honey. <laughs> Thanks for that, Pitch. <laughs> Thanks for, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that that push for me. It's like I make honey or something. I've been pitching it. So I, I don't. I have no idea. I know. I just think it's great. Well, again, thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. We really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody listening in and taking time out of your day. And I know that we went a full hour on this podcast. I try to keep them a little clo closer to 45 minutes. But I'll tell you what, it, this is an, a very, very important topic. And it's a very important topic right now as we're all contemplating, do we stay in our house? Do we go to work? And even if we go back to work, we're going to be experiencing a different atmosphere. So we, our, our tushies have got accustomed to the chair that we have at home, the situation at home. And now our bodies are going to say, what the heck? You know, if we go back to work, it's going to be changing. So we want to be aware of those surroundings. And again, I just thank you so much for taking the time to listen in and share. Let us share with you for this part of your day. And we'll catch you next time on Success to Significance. Thank you. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.